Let me ask you to do something as we, we look at this verse today. Would you free up your hands? Put down whatever you're holding. And it, it might be a drink or it might be a pen or a phone or even, even the Bible. Put it down for just a moment, not the whole service, but just a moment. Just free up your hands. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy. Just, just free up your hands. And let's take a minute here to, to breathe intentionally, okay? And, and, and again, nothing too crazy, but let's go in and out, just in through your nose. One more time. Okay. And the last thing, I want you to close your eyes just to help listen to what I'm about to read to you. It's one single Bible verse I'm going to read. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Don't fear, because I am with you. Don't be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will surely help you. I will hold you with my righteous, strong hand. Okay, open your eyes. Thank you. It's the word of the Lord this morning. I'd like to get those words on the screen if we could from Isaiah chapter 41, 10. It's right there. And if we could, leave those words there the entire rest of the service, okay? You've got it. These words are important for a few reasons this morning. Don't fear because I'm with you. Don't be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will surely help you. I will hold you with my righteous, strong hand. This is the word of the Lord. And at some point in this service, if you think you can listen and do something, if you think you can multitask, what I'd like you to do is start writing this down. It's going to be up there the whole service. Write, write this down. Find a pen and paper and write this down. Or, or find it in your Bible and underline it, highlight it, circle it, make a note of it somewhere. Or if you can even bring out your phone, and pastors don't normally tell you to bring your phone out during the service. Bring out your phone and start typing this. And text it. It's going to sound weird. Text it to yourself. And don't copy and paste. Type this out. These words are important. Spend some time with these words. I have my actual Bible here today, and, and I use the Common English Bible. I think it's the best version. There are many good versions out there. I like this one. I also have an app on my phone, and I'll get my phone out as well. And My app has just about every translation uh, you could imagine um, of the Bible is, is in the app. And there are many different apps. The Gideons have an app. Um, there are others. The, the one I use is called YouVersion. The YouVersion Bible app. And I've mentioned it before. And YouVersion was used by 12 million people every single day this year. The stats are 12 million people every day opened the YouVersion app and interacted with the Word in some way. And so YouVersion has not only all the translations and stuff. They have, in, in some translations, they have the spoken Word and, and you can listen to it. And in, in, in others, they've got reading plans where it can help you read through the entire Bible in, say, one year. Or a certain, you know, uh, certain verses and, and passages that are uh, topic-based. So if you want to read more about the Holy Spirit or more about forgiveness or more about uh, generosity or something, there are plans for that. So you can really get some interaction here with the YouVersion app. But YouVersion announced this past month the top Bible verse of 2023. The number one Bible verse of 2023. 
And how does YouVersion determine the top Bible verse of the year? It's the Bible verse in the YouVersion app that was highlighted and bookmarked and shared the most, more than any other verse. And the verse of the year in 2023 is this one right here. Isaiah 41.10. And I'll be honest with you, I was skeptical. What? Really? This is the one? Because I don't know if I would have, if we would have come in here today and I would have said, hey, Isaiah 41.10, what does that say? I don't know that we could have just said, oh, I know that verse, if, that we have memorized it. But I do, it makes me think, it's not John 3.16 or the 23rd Psalm or not Acts 2.15. It, it, it was this one. Isaiah 41.10. The top Bible verse, the most engaged with Bible verse of 2023. And I got to thinking about that then this week. Why? Why is this number one? Why would millions of people grab their phone, their tablet, open their app, find this verse and decide, I want to underline this one. I want to highlight this one. I want to bookmark this one. I want to save this one for later or share this one with someone who I know needs it. It was this verse over and over and over again that millions of people turned to in 2023. Why? Why, why was it that? Don't fear because I'm with you. Don't be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will surely help you. I will hold you. With my righteous right hand. Why would millions of people be drawn to this verse in 2023? I can't say for sure, but I wonder if there was a lot of fear in 2023. And so a verse that says, don't fear, don't be afraid. I need that message in my life because the truth is, I'm afraid. There is fear in my life. There's been a lot to fear on a global level. There are wars going on. Inflation, sickness, death, political unrest. And those are the big things. There are even smaller daily things. Maybe that don't make the newspaper headlines, but are really important on a more personal level. A broken friendship, some changes at work, a neighbor or a friend dealing with a new struggle, something that's not a big deal to everybody, but it pushes you out of your comfort zone in some way. And that can be scary. And so a message that says, don't fear, don't be afraid, maybe that's a message we needed in 2023. Maybe 2023 was a year of fear. Or maybe a year of weakness where we read something that says, I, I would like to be strengthened. A year of helplessness when God says, I will surely help you. A year of lonesomeness when I just want to be held. And God says, I will hold you. And I, so, so that's a big reason, I think, why this was, this was the verse of the year. Because it's a nice verse with a good message. And it certainly is all about me. It's about benefiting me. It's, about, um, it's a Bible verse about how God is going to do all these great things for me. And that's a pretty popular message these days. God is going to strengthen me. He's going to help me. He's going to hold me. And that's the kind of God I'm talking about, a God who benefits me. And here's the truth. This verse is absolutely right. God does love you. 
absolutely loves you, unconditionally loves you. He wants to bless you. He created you for a reason. I'll put it this way. God created you on purpose for a purpose. And if you believe that, I do, then what could we possibly have to fear? But I do wonder, it's the most shared verse, the most highlighted verse, the most interacted or engaged with verse. But is this the most believed verse? How much of this verse do we really believe? If we went through it step by step, do you believe we have nothing to fear? Do you believe God is with you? That he is your God? Do you believe God will strengthen you? Do you believe God will help you and God will hold you? Do, you? do you believe that? I think there are some who would say yes and some who would say no. And I think those who would say no, God wouldn't do those things for me, would say no because they know they have not behaved themselves, especially, say, in 2023. Because they know how bad they've been. And those who would say yes, God, God would do those things for me, I think say yes, not because they have been really good, not because they know how good they've been, but because they know how good God is, right? I'll tell you a story. It was shared with me this week. It's about a barber. Pastor goes to his barber to get a haircut, finds a barber, and they get to the talking and the Barber finds out this guy's a pastor and the barber didn't hesitate. And he says, this barber looks at the pastor and the barber says, I don't believe in God. God's never done nothing for me. Look at the world today. It's a mess. Look at my life. I've had all kinds of trouble. God's never done anything for me, so I don't believe God exists. And the pastor thinks to himself, I I just want a haircut. So he gets the haircut, he pays for it, gives him a nice tip, and leaves. But just outside of the barber shop, happens to be a homeless man sitting there with wild hair, long hair. It hasn't been styled in a long time. It is just a mess. The pastor gets to thinking. He taps this homeless guy on the shoulder and says, "Would, would you come with me? He brings the homeless guy up into the barber shop. And he goes up to the barber and says, you see this guy? You see his hair? How wild and crazy and long this his hair is? This tells me barbers don't exist. Barbers must not exist. Look, look at this. And the barber looks at him and says, what are you talking about? I, of course I exist. The problem isn't that I exist. The problem is he never came to see me. That barber gave, the, gave that homeless guy a free haircut that day and he shook the pastor's hand. I think sometimes the problem is all of our doubts of God or denial of God's existence. What if we just talked to him instead? What if we just went to see him? The key to Isaiah 41.10 is not how good you are but how good God is. And I think we could end the message right there. 
It'd be a great message. That's a good one. But I also think it's important, especially when we're in the book of Isaiah, to get some context behind this verse. It is very uh, dangerous to take a verse out of the Bible, to pluck it out of the Bible, and then post it somewhere as if there's no context to that verse. You have to be very careful about doing that because that's how you interpret the Bible poorly. And so what I don't want to do is only look at this verse by itself. I do want us to consider the context, the biblical context. And so can we go really deep here for a minute? I, I know it's, it, it's getting on to almost afternoon and, and maybe you want a nap to stay up late tonight. But, but let's go deep here just for a bit. I don't want to just read the word of the Lord. I like to dive in and swim around and, and really get to the deep end. And so if you could jump into the deep end with me here this morning. Let's consider the context, the setting, the author, the reason it was written, who it was written to originally, the verse before it, the verse after it, the entire movement of this book of the Bible. So I did some work on revealing the context of this Bible verse this week from Isaiah 41.10. So we ready? Let me give you, I'm going to, this is, this is crazy. I'm going to give you a very simplistic overview of the entire Old Testament. Okay? the entire Old Testament in maybe three minutes. Ready? In the beginning, God created the heavens. And, okay, well, let's skip ahead a little bit. Um, in Genesis chapter 12, God finds this man named Abram. He would become Abraham. And God makes some promises to this man and says, I am going to make you into a great nation. Your descendants, your family. Forget that he's old and doesn't even have any kids yet. And this does happen. We're eventually... He becomes the father of not just a family, but many, a great nation of people. And these people are not just going to be numerous. They're going to be blessed by God to be God's representatives, to bless everyone else in the world. And the final promise is of a promised land, a space, a place in which this, these people will live. They become God's people, the Israelites. And they are longing for a promised land. And God remains with them, the descendants of Abraham, God's people, the Israelites. The rest of the Old Testament follows these people, God's people, through difficult times in Egypt when they were enslaved by Pharaoh. And through, through, through times of great victory when Moses parts the waters and they go through, go through the waters on dry ground and escape Egypt and Pharaoh. But then they're wandering in the wilderness. But finally, coming to the promised land, becoming a great nation with kings like Saul and David and Solomon, and life is good. These are God's people, and they are a great nation. But eventually, this great nation of Abraham's descendants, the great people of God, turn away from God, all of them. They bring in false gods and other idols. They do some terrible things in the name of religion, not just pledging allegiance to other gods, but also adopting some terrible religious practices of, from other religions, including some despicable things like sacrificing babies and blood sacrifices and terrible, evil things and doing it in the name of the Lord often. And sometimes, and you can read this in, in, in later books in the Old Testament, there would be a season of confession and repentance and turning back to God. And you know what God did? 
he forgave. And he welcomed them back. But he would forgive these people. But time and time again, they would allow themselves to be lured away to all the evil ways of the world. To the point where they were no longer acting as God's representatives to the rest of the world. Or if they were, they were representing God in ways that were totally against how God would have people live. And so eventually, as you go to the latter half of the Old Testament, God let them go. God gave them over to their false idols and evil practices. And the consequences of losing God's presence and protection was that the the descendants of Abraham, this once mighty nation, they fell into what is called exile. They were conquered by another nation, a bigger nation with power and wealth and a leader who was a bully. And everything that God's people had were lost. Their houses were destroyed. The temple, the place of God's presence was destroyed. It was looted. The treasures were taken off. Their homes, the temple, their government, their leaders, all of it wiped out because of their unfaithfulness to God. They lost it all. And I wish I could say there they were standing in the rubble of their ruined country and they repented. But actually, they couldn't even stand in the rubble of their ruined country and homes because they were taken captive and relocated all the way to Babylon, a foreign country, and made to live as foreigners in Babylon. We shared one story with the kids today of what happened there. So all that was familiar to God's people, all that was right, all that was promised and made possible through God's faithfulness was lost because of their unfaithfulness. And they look around in a foreign country as second-class citizens in a different culture with different values and rules, and who did they have to blame? Themselves. And all they could say is, yep, we messed up. We've been unfaithful. We didn't live how God wanted us to live. We chased our own selfish desires, our own temporary pleasures. We took what was less important and made it more important. We stopped worshiping the Lord and started worshiping inferior things. We gave our time and energy and money to the things that are not worthy of our attention. And here we are. We have lost it all. And they had no one to blame but themselves. And in that setting, in exile... When all was lost, at the end of that story, with shame and regret and embarrassment, here comes a prophet named Isaiah. And here comes the word of the Lord. And do you know what that word of the Lord was? Don't fear, because I'm with you. Don't be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will surely help you. I will hold you with my righteous, strong hand. That is the context of this verse. And as you have that bigger story, now our reaction is, what? Are you Why would God do that? They didn't deserve that. They missed it. They had their chance. They messed it up. But in their fear and shame and regret and helpless, hopeless realization that they had failed God, God shows up and does not fail them. So let's personalize this a little bit then today. 
And I want us to picture. The story we told with the kids was um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and this, this gold statue. Let's picture a big, huge tower. Just huge, big thing here, okay? It was all the way up to the sea, right? And let's just, this just big thing right here. And what if, I'm not going to do it, but what if I asked you to write your name on a name tag and come up to this big tower? And let's, let's, let's say it's a scale. On a, on a scale of 0 to 100, what, what has your behavior level been like? Your faithfulness to God, what has that been like? Zero is uh, not so good. Like, yeah, you're still a believer, but, oh, it's been a rough year behavior-wise. To where 100 is, boy, you're just about to get your halo. I mean, it was a good year for you. Okay? Where, if we had each of you come up, where would you put your name tag on the last day of 2023? What's zero to 100? Where would you land? And if I really did something like that, some of you, and I I don't know, I'm not going to go down a list and and tell you, but some of you, some of you might come up and say, Pastor, I'd like to put my where it goes, but I can't. I need a ladder. I need, I can't reach it. I've been so good this year. Pastor, I, I, need, I need a ladder. I need to get up here. I need, I need to get wet on my way. I need to get up. I need to put my name tag way up there. 2023, I've been faithful. I've been a good and faithful servant. It'd be nice, isn't it? As your pastor, I, I would love that. I think it'd be great. Or maybe... Some of you might come up here and say, Pastor, can you put that ladder away? I don't need that. I need, I need a shovel. <laughs> I, 2023, man, this was not the year. I didn't know you were going to do this at the end. I can't start it. We got to start digging. If you want me to put my name tag where it really belongs, let's just, man. And if we had this scale, zero to a hundred, where would you be? And I would say we've been taught in our society today that, well, there must be someone who looks down down on us all year long. And when they look down, they're, they're kind of checking on us to do an assessment. In fact, we actually kind of write songs about this. Maybe you heard one of these songs recently. He's making a list, checking it twice, gonna find out who's naughty or nice. Jesus Claus is coming. <laughs> To a manger. It, we laugh, but th- this is the concept. I'm going to keep going. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. 
He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness. I'm not changing the words. You better watch out. You better not pout. You better not cry. I'm telling you what. Jesus Claus is coming to a manger. We, 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 we kind of think that way, don't we? I mean, we use Santa Claus instead of Jesus, but our society is set up to teach us that if you're nice, if, if, you, let's call it, if you're a ladder person, you got some good things coming your way. But you shovel people. Uh, you're going to get some coal this year. And so we might be tempted to look today at Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. This verse right up here. And think, oh, that verse is only for the latter people. That's only for the people with their behavior level that's really up high. The ones who did good in 2023. They didn't cuss out their neighbor this year. That one time, or, or didn't give in to that certain temptation, or didn't think those bad thoughts when they saw that perf- other perfect family on social media. What, what, whatever, whatever behavior is, Isaiah 41.10 isn't for me, that's only for latter people. Well, us shovel people, well, 2023 is lost. We just got to do better in 2024. But if we're going to get into some context, this verse was not written originally. It was not written to people who were at their best behavior. It was written to people at rock bottom. This verse was written originally to shovel people. To people with shovels in hand. And not just shovel people. Shovel people who had already used their shovels and were sitting in the dirt and their mess of a life and it was so bad they had to look up just to see the hole. Any shovel people here today? Don't raise your hand, but assess yourself. Assess your 2023. You know who you are. I have something I want to say to the shovel people today. Okay? Are you ready, shovel people? Here's what I want to say to the shovel people today. Don't fear. Because I am with you. I know this doesn't make sense. Hear me out. Don't be afraid, for I am your God. Get ready, shovel people. We we need this one. I will strengthen you. I will surely help you. I will hold you with my righteous, strong hand. This verse is not about how good you've been. It's about how good God is. I do want to make sure we say this message then means that you need to take the next step. And the next step is, oh, I can shovel all I want. It's okay. I can, there are no rules anymore, right? Do whatever you want. God doesn't care. No, actually go read Romans 6. Romans chapter 6 kind of deals with it twice. Romans 6, 15 says, so what? Should we sin because we aren't under law, but... Under grace? Absolutely not. What the challenge is then is not to say, oh, nothing matters anymore. But to say, even as I've just been digging a hole for myself, you know another term for hole in the Bible is grave? 
I've just been digging and digging. God still loves me. He still wants to strengthen me and help me and hold me. And our response should be then to take our 2024 and don't spend it trying to earn God's love. You already have God's love. But spend your 2024 living as if you know God already loves you. And every single day we have in this next year is not a test to see if we're good enough for God's love. It is an opportunity to show your gratitude and thankfulness for that love through your worship and praise of a God who forgives and loves and strengthens and helps and holds. Could you imagine if a couple had, been, had decided through prayer and through God's prompting to go and adopt a child from an orphanage and that orphan is adopted and this, this couple has prepared a room place and a home and good food and opportunity and all school supplies and and clothing and all the things that are needed to give this orphan now a home. And imagine the orphan comes in and says, hey, thanks. But then every once in a while, it just just goes back for mealtime at the orphanage or goes back to sleep on that cot in that big room with bunch of other kids crying or just constantly leaves their new home to go back to the old way. Why would we want to linger back in the old ways when we have received the promises of God to strengthen us, help us, and hold us? And maybe 2024, We live every day not to earn God's love, but in response to God's love. And I don't know if that's the God you want, but let me tell you, it's the God you need. So let's put away the shovel this year because God is with you. Let's get out of life in the dirt because he is your God. Let's maybe even start to climb the ladder. Because he will strengthen you. And let's take it one step at a time. Because he will surely help you. And when you are at a level you have never reached before. And it's unfamiliar territory. And you have made changes in your life. Just remember. God will hold you. He will hold you up with his righteous, strong hand. I'm not here to measure your 2023 today. I just want you to know God loves you. Maybe we can be latter people in 2024. Bow your heads with me, let's pray. Lord. We don't deserve this message. We don't deserve this verse. And yet I'm so thankful that millions have discovered it. And I pray that your spirit would reveal not just the verse, but the entire context of it. In our weakness and in our failings and in the ways we have come up short, Lord, we repent, we confess, we're sorry. Lord, 
Forgive us, yes, but don't just forgive us. Strengthen us. Help us. And hold us. And I pray that you would inspire us in 2024 to leave behind the dirt, the hole digging, to not even bother with the shovel anymore, Lord. And may we live our lives in response to your love by living how you would have us live. Be patient with us. Allow us time to grow and develop and change, but transform our hearts with your spirit within us, Lord. We love you and we praise you today. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.